Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is episode 26. I'm your co-host Key. And I'm your co-host Coach P. And if you guys haven't already, go back and check out our last episode, episode 25 of season 4. is where we interviewed, quote, an up-and-coming hip-hop artist. And it was actually a very special episode to us because it was our first interview. Yeah, it was pretty dope. I enjoyed it. I like his energy and the flow of the conversation. It was absolutely amazing. And I think it was one of our best episodes to date and then the fact that he's like our very first guest we had on the show yes super dope first but not last so <laughs> definitely be on the lookout as we're going to be bringing you some awesome guests that we can't wait to introduce to you guys and for us to just get to know on more of a personal level the way we did with quote definitely and as you follow us throughout the season we have changed things slightly and we have added some new things to the show so please stay tuned with every episode as we will be informing you as to the status of the um, show and what we plan on doing moving forward awesome so let's get into it so she's gotta have it is netflix series that um debuted on thanksgiving day for those of you who don't know it's a spike lee joint that originated in 1986 it was a movie with the lead actress tracy camilla now before we get into the intricacies of the um show which has been a lot of debate (laughs) it's like either you like it or you don't there's no in between which is kind of weird um please do know if you haven't seen the series as of yet gonna be some spoiler alerts here so you might want to just come back within the next like 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) um all right, so as I mentioned, the lead actress was Tracy Camilla. She did do a cameo in the film, which I thought was amazing, at the art gallery when Nola Darling was presenting her um, her material, which I thought was beautiful. Um, and the way she said it, she's like, you look so familiar. It's like, yeah, girl, she was the lead actress in the movie. That's why she looked familiar. But in any event, let's get into it. Um, so one of the episodes, episode eight, hashtag change gonna come which really speaks about gentrification that happens in brooklyn and we spoke about this in previous episodes yep. um pierre unfortunately you're from brooklyn so um Unfortunately, you are <laughs> like you could you can try as hard as you want <laughs> bx is cool but brooklyn's gonna hold it down forever you can't well, the here. rate it's going with gentrification i'm not sure <laughs> so um yeah (laughs) (laughs) Bronx is up next don't worry about (laughs) it no we (laughs) are nah it's true though like for real but let's just bring it back to the show so the context of gentrification is really permeated throughout the show from the intro as you see how the intro changes and how he shows families within the Fort Greene area Mm -hmm. so those of you that don't know the show primarily takes place in Fort Greene and it shows how the neighborhood has transformed over time so not only through the intro, but also the town hall meeting, which I thought was very interesting, and Nola's landlord stating that she can make up to three times more in rent from a white person, and the white woman who moved onto the block, and she was questioning Mars for coming into the neighborhood because he came to visit Nola. So those are some like minute details that existed in the series that really could have been unpacked a little bit more, but kind of touched the surface of what's going on with gentrification within Brooklyn. It's primarily within Fort Greene area, which is becoming really expensive. Yeah. And also, um, what I thought was interesting was a part where her landlord said, her landlord is a black woman who owns a brownstone, which is like amazing in 2017 to kind of have that in a sense. Because normally, oftentimes with owners, homeowners, especially a brownstone, which is like up to a million dollars, if that, it's really expensive. I think it's amazing to see women of color, not 
particularly the women of color, but people of color owning, home owning in terms of brownstones and actually owning buildings and being landlords, because I feel like you have more of a power and to delegate the kind of people you want within your brownstone or in your buildings. And also it kind of creates some kind of balance. Yeah. In a sense. But what I find to be interesting is when her landlord kept saying, because Nola was late on her rent. Like, who's not late on their rent? When she was saying um, to her... Um, <laughs> not me. Um, okay. Well, you're one of, like, what? How many people? You're, like, the exception to the rule. But, um... So her landlord was basically saying, I can make three times as more from a white person. She kind of said that statement a couple times throughout... And I think what I find to be interesting is that when we discuss gentrification, we only discuss how non-black people, particularly white people, are coming into our neighborhoods and moving us out. But what about the black landlords or homeowners? Are they not held accountable for feeding into gentrification? Like, when you've seen the clip, do you think that she should be held to a higher standard as a black landlord? Or are you, were you even surprised by her actions of what she said? Um, I wasn't surprised at all. At the end of the day, she's a homeowner. She has food to put on the table for her family. She has bills to pay. And she's worrying about getting her money. So if you're if you have a tenant who's not paying the bills on time and it's kind of a regular thing, like I think she was completely in the right to actually press her about listen, I need the money. Um and the fact that she was really just super blatant and forward about the fact that she could get more money if she had uh, white tenants in there who would be paying more for the rent. I think that was real of her just to let Nola know, like, listen, I'm holding you down. I'm supporting you. We're family, and I'm I'm giving you a discount here. Like, she's got the place on the low, and it is a dope apartment. Like, you get your rent in on time. Like, that's the least you could do. No, I think it's valid to say that. I think... I get what you're saying. I think it would be best if she's like, it's in the context of business. Yes, you need to pay your rent on time and I have bills to pay. I completely understand that aspect. But to kind of throw it out there, I could be making three times as much having a white person live here. I don't know. I feel like as a black homeowner, or if you're a landlord, I don't know if you're supposed to be held to a higher standard, but it's kind of like, normally when we see gentrification happening, we see um, non-whites, no, non, non, non-black non people moving in and kicking out black people. But to see a homeowner who is a person of color or a black person who understands what is going on in transformation of the neighborhood, just to kind of have that idea and concept, you're feeding into it as well. And oftentimes when we speak of gentrification, we don't speak about black homeowners playing a part in it. We always say how they coming in, they're moving us out. But it, it happens with the control of the landlord. And in the context of this, this was a black woman. I get it. Bills have to be paid. She could be making more. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I would have preferred it if it was a more of a conversation of you need to pay your rent on time. Like, that's clearly what the case needs to be. But to kind of throw it out there, like, I could be making three times as more. Yeah, essentially, you could be making three times as more. And then guess what? You could have somebody who comes around and end up buying a whole brownstone and you want to have anything. And kind of take you out the neighborhood as well. Well, I like that you mentioned that because I think at the end of the day, it has to do with just money. And when people are coming into neighborhoods, offering cash for people's buildings, people are choosing to take that money. They're not thinking about the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the bigger picture. What's going to happen to the neighborhood 50 years yeah. down the line from now. They're really looking at... I need this money right now. Someone's coming to offer me more money than I have, than I 
I have attainables for me right now. I'm taking this and I'm going to run. And that when that just keeps happening over and over and over, then one day you look up and then it's like, oh, what happened to the neighborhood? It's not what it used to be. So I think this just kind of goes back to the money at the end of the day. If these buildings were being owned by black tenants... Um, you mean black landlords? Sorry, black yeah. landlords. They're getting paid to either sell their property or the value of the neighborhood is going up. So they're keeping the ownership, but they're just like, I'm bringing in tenants who are going to be able to afford the new rising value. Like I'm getting equity in my house. I'm getting more rent money. Plus it's New York city. The cost is always going up. So I gotta, I gotta stay afloat. Like I can't just keep the people in the neighborhood if they're not going to be able to afford the rent. And it sucks. And we were joking earlier in the beginning of the conversation about Brooklyn being gentrified and the Bronx is coming up next. But in, in my mind, I'm actually scared. Like, what like, what will New York City look like 50 years from now, 100 years from now, if, like, rent keeps on rising, cost of living keeps on going up, gentrification keeps on happening? I'm just like, where's, like, that West Indian community going to be at? Are they going to end up in, like, I don't know. Arkansas, like that. Arkansas is gonna be the new Harlem. Like, I, 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 you stupid. But like, you get what I'm saying. Like, no, I understand what you're saying, but that's why I think, like, in the context of this, I just feel like the conversations about identification are just so one sided. It's like they're moving in, but we have to hold accountable these landlords who are playing a part in it, and for for a reason of escalating the rent to a certain price, so they could get three times more than what it is. Hence, why I feel like. To some extent, if landlords are people of color, should be held to a certain higher standard because they the conversation to me is always one sided. They're coming in, but who's allowing them to come in? Right. Who's allowing them to take control? And then once they move in, the bodega becomes a gourmet deli. <laughs> they ain't gonna have no cat in there. So it's like that's the thing that I'm trying to really wrap my head around. But like you said, it's a valid point. Where are we gonna be years down the line in terms of gentrification keep happening into our neighborhoods? Yeah. I'm not sure where we're going to be. I mean, at that point, I mean, it goes down to income and how much you're going to be making and stuff like that. So, and that kind of really determined what neighborhood you can really reside in. I'm not sure where we're going to be at. And that's why I feel like if we're going to take this whole aspect of gentrification seriously, I feel like it needs to be more conversations surrounding. And I think it needs to be more actions. Yeah, I don't see people in the streets protesting. Maybe one or two but it's not heavy where it's like we need to stop and we need to make a change. We need to restructure these things. But if you have landlords who feel like they have a right for the rent to increase and make a profit off of it, that becomes another issue. Like, do you really need three times more than what that rent is? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, real, realistically, do you? And if you do that, you know what kind of demographic you're bringing in. Which is, that's why I brought it back to her landlord in a sense of how she plays a part in it. I feel like it could have been picked apart a little bit more in the show. But it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so in that same episode, there was the scene of the homeless man getting arrested. One, it was kind of crazy because I don't think they even really pointed it out or not, but he essentially put a bright green spray-painted G on the white tenant's door and on her stoop to essentially mark her house as gentrification. And (laughs) Yeah. In that particular scene, I'm just curious what your take on it was because everyone was, when the white woman called reverse racism, I kind of agreed with her in regard to that because it's like you're targeting her because she's moving into the neighborhood. And 
and then it all, it led into everything. Her calling the police, the police coming to arrest the homeless man who did the spray painting or allegedly did the spray painting, and then and then Nola coming in like to save him at the last minute. So I kind of want to just discuss that. But just first of all, what did you think about in regards to when she she called reverse racism and everyone was like, oh, hell no. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's reverse racism in that context because the, the, the way racism is structured and the concept of it is primarily meant for white people who are racist because they hold the power of racism in terms of systematic racism and black people, people of color cannot be racist. We can discriminate, but we cannot fully be racist. I don't necessarily think in the context of that is reverse racism. And plus that scene was subsequent probably episode or two, of the town hall meeting, where she really wanted him removed from the block. And they were mm. like, he's an army veteran. Like, yeah. he served our country. He's the mayor of the block. He, he was doing all of that <laughs> in the town hall meeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> doing the most. <laughs> I was like, bro, just sit down. I get it. I get it. But it's like, in the context of that, I think if this happened prior to that scene, mm, I don't know. Maybe I feel a little different. Maybe, but not even so much. But it's, first of all, she was questioning Mars as to why does he belong in the neighborhood. What does that mean? Like, yeah. when she was asking him, where is he going, what is he doing? So if he was a white male, you would never question him. Like, let's let's kind of break that down. And depending on how he looked. If he was in a suit and a tie, maybe not. Maybe some sweatpants and a hoodie, she probably would. Who knows? But on top of that, I don't necessarily think it's racism in that context. And like I said in the town hall meeting, she was literally trying to remove him out. Luckily, Nola mom came through, saved the day, <laughs> and told him how to conduct himself moving forward. But I don't think it was appropriate for him to put the G sign on her door, on, on her stoop. I get what he was going and what he was doing, but I felt like that was like, okay, like... That was a bit much. I don't think it was that serious for her to call the cops. I was just like, come on. It's not even that, like, for you to do that as if, like, that's the problem that I kind of had with it. And everyone on the block, they know him. They they take him serious to a certain extent. They know he jokes around. So the fact that she was that person to do all of that, and honestly, in the context of that scenario, it could have escalated a lot with the cops. Yeah. Because they were really coming at him, one to lock him up, and Nola came in as black woman of the day, come trying to save the day. She got arrested, too. They both got arrested. It wasn't like they arrested her and left him alone. And you could tell, like, he kind of checked out when the cop was trying to arrest him, hence why she stepped forward. So, yeah. I don't know. That whole scene was kind of like, hmm. But I don't think it was reverse racism. I don't really... I just don't think black people could be racist when it comes to that. I just feel like his actions was a bit much. But then again, I could see why he did that. Because the town hall meeting, she was literally doing the entire most. And if it was up to her, she would remove him off the block. And then where would he go? Since he's always been in that neighborhood. He's moved along with the neighborhood as much as it's changed. You know what I'm saying? So for you to come in and... I understand him being on her stoop playing loud music, which is something she may not like, but... I don't really think in the context of that you could call it that. It's just like, there was a white woman that went into the bodega and was like, wanted to get the cat removed. It was like, this is a part of the culture, boo-boo. Oh, you might want to have a seat. He said the cat. <laughs> get, you, get you to the gourmet deli down the block and get it together. Like The cat is always on the bread. <laughs> you always find the cat always on the bread. But if you running up on you, I'm for the culture. It's for the culture. You just gotta go with the flow. It's talking about unsanitary community deli. Like, bro, chill. This is culture. That's mad funny. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. So, I guess 
Yeah, I like how you pointed out um, how Nola came in saving the day as the, the black woman coming to the black man's rescue. And I thought that was pretty interesting, that the fact that she just wanted to sacrifice herself for him. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the day... Which speaks to us being in the front of the lines for protests. We sacrifice ourselves for y'all all the time. Thank you for that. <laughs> from, coming from all black men, we appreciate you. Continue. Um, so, yeah. Um, and just... I personally, just before we even continue, I personally love the show. I know there are some people... Like, there's the debate. Some people hated it. Some people didn't like it. Um, so Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Um, me, personally, I really liked it. Maybe because I didn't see the original movie. So, I, this is just fresh and new to me. But um, just kind of further unpacking it... In the episode, Bootyful, episode number two, <laughs> um, it kind of goes into, oh, they actually have a recurring theme around just um, women's body image and they're talking about getting butt implants and actually just purchasing a butt. And one of the main characters, Shamika, she was actually seeking to get butt implants so she could actually start stripping and to make more money. So she could work. <clears throat> yeah, so <laughs> so she gets work, and I I think call it what it is. There's just so many levels to that because the fact that she was a beautiful girl, like gorgeous, but she just really saw herself in a negative light because she said she was a Jamaican woman and more thick, voluptuous women with big butts come around, and her her baby's dad. That's the kind of women that he's into. Yeah. And then the fact that she she was working at a... A strip club. It really did not help being there. Right. She was working at a strip club and she was making tips as a waitress, not dancing. But the fact that she, she one, wanted the bigger butt to just be more attractive to the type of guys that she was into because that's what they really wanted. And then the fact that the people were giving money in the strip club for the more voluptuous women. And then on top of it, the fact that she had to actually get the money from her boss and then just go to a super, super shady doctor's office. I and thought I, they went to DR for that. I was like, <laughs> bruh, this don't look like she took a flight for this one. Like yeah. she went to a little crappy motel type joint. Yeah. it, it was. I was like, okay. And the chick who was doing it to her, her butt was looking all kinds of... Cr- I was like, this can't be life right now. It, it, it was ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, just just everything about that episode, I felt like it, it just it just was a lot to just, like you said, unpack. Um, and then just talking about on the flip side, just men critiquing women for getting work done on their bodies. But when she debuted with her new butt... Everyone they was loved loving it. it. They was just like, so she bust ass. Oh my god, that, that was crazy. I knew some shit was gonna happen. I was like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. <laughs> that literally was that insane. was crazy. <laughs> and it splashed all over. Oh my god, <laughs> my stomach <laughs> turned. <laughs> like, oh, ash juice. Um, yeah, that scene was a bit much. I do. I think it. It really speaks to where we're at as a culture in a sense of women getting work done. And listen, what I did like about Nola's character pertaining to her friend was like, she was like, do what you need to do. I'm going to support you regardless of the fact. I like when she did her painting and she kind of kept it true to how she was and she had a natural hair. I was like, mm. thank you. Because it was missing something. <clears throat> Hold on. 
But when it comes to body politics in the conversation of getting work done, it's it's very like, it's not a weird conversation to have, but it's, there are women that don't partake in those activities and feel like it's not necessary. And then they judge women who are, as one of her friends was like, what's the point? Because you're doing it in a sense of a male gaze. And that's the... And that's what the core of it is, is when these women get their work done, for some, it is in the context of a male gaze because we live in this kind of hypersexualized society where it's like, you know, everybody want to walk around, a majority of people want to walk around and be a Nicki Minaj, but it's like, not a lot of women are growing up that way organically. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? They have some kind of work that they have to get done. So that's a whole other conversation to be had. But I think what... It's a non-GMO book. <laughs> like, bruh. You know, and then it's like, women want to live up to like the whole Nicki Minaj physique and want to have that, but it's like you have to get work done. It's just like, to me, it's like if you get that kind of work done, does it make you feel better? Does it boost your self-esteem? If it does that for you and you're not doing it for anyone else, then you go right ahead and do what you have to do. I do think that these women should not be judged or criticized for what they do because... It's their bodies. They have every right to do whatever they want to do. I just think it's interesting where there's a conversation among men about you shouldn't do this or you should do that. Or it's, it's not a man's place to tell a woman what she should or should not do with her body or what she should or should, what she should or should not do with her hair type. You want to be natural, be natural. You want to show the kinky curls, show the kinky curls. If you want to do the wet and wavy or the bundles, the silky bundles, do what you need to do. You know, if you want to do the lace front, do what you need to do. But it's not a man's place to dictate how a woman should portray herself because I think it goes back into woman bodies being policed. And we had enough of that, as we can see. But I do think that scene was very, like, whoa. And then on top of that, for those who have watched it, she did get bacteria in her her bloodstream and she was trying to recover. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. But I thought what was, what stood out to me was when her daughter was like, oh, she told Nola that her daughter likes it. So she looks like Nikki. And it's just like the portrayal that you're giving to your daughter as to what the definition of beauty is. Because, yeah. and that's what Nola said to her. Like, eventually as she grows up, she's going to think this is normal. This is what she wants. And is that what you want for your daughter? Yeah. And, um, and in the context of what you said, like her, because her ex was, he got a voluptuous woman or whatever the case may be. She kind of did it for the male gaze because that's the kind of woman he wants to be. And in a sense, that's what she wants to be. And it plays a part in her decisions and along with her working at the strip club. Um, so I thought that was really crazy. What I found to be interesting is that the other woman that was working at the strip club, they was looking normal. Like, yeah. I didn't understand. Like, it wasn't like you had 10 Nicki Minaj running around. I didn't even see not one of them walking around looking like that. Yeah, Spike, you had to, you should have cast better for that. So, to <laughs> me, it was like, why were you, like, she fit right in with all of them. I didn't see the point. If Fat Joe getting fancy talking about you need to have a butt, like, the rest of them chicks did not have any voluptuous. They had a nice size butt for their size, but they didn't have anything out of the norm. So, I didn't. To me, it was like, that part was kind of like, it was a hit or miss. I was like, hmm. I guess maybe because when she performed, she was the solo act. She was just like, she was everything. But the other girls, they had like their little group thing going on. When she came with the with the Nikki, it was all about her. So I don't know. Spike, you could have cast it better. Made that more realistic. The Nikki and her diaper that she had on? <laughs> I don't know what. That was. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm still. I still can't get over the fact that you said that's not organic. That's not organic, but <laughs> that's funny. It's not. 
non-GMO. Like, I mean, there's some women who have it organically. Let's not front. They are out there. But then the way hers was created, it was like, come on. Even in the scene when she was on the phone with Nola with the bubble coat, I was like, come on. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> like, what is happening? This mm. don't look normal. But yeah. it is what it is. But... Yeah. I mean, if you're going to partake in that, do your research, go to the right person, make sure you look at the pros and the cons, because on a serious tip, she went to a hotel and got that, then I'm sure she's not the only one that has done that. And if you're going to go that route, I feel like you should take as much precaution as possible and do your research as to the pros and cons that can happen and go to an expert, even if they're going to cost extra money, at least you're paying for quality, not quantity, because now you got bacteria in your bloodstream, she could have possibly died. And... As much as we may be lighthearted about it and joke about it, there are women who are actually have done that and they may have had some kind of effects to their bodies. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, if you're going to do it, just go about it the right way. Definitely. Well said. Definitely. Um, so then, in episode four, the Love is Love, Nola defines herself as a sex positive, polyamorous, pansexual who doesn't believe in monogamy. That's a lot. When I heard that, I was like, damn. Okay. I see you, Nola. Nola, darling. I just love how everyone says her name. It's cute. It goes. It does. Um, I don't know. Is she a true... Polyamorous? I don't know. Because the reason why I say this, because I've been reading articles pertaining to this, and hence the back and forth on the show. Some people thought that the show was amazing, i.e. Pierre. <laughs> and then there are people who were like, oh, not so much. So, um, according to Monique Judge article for The Root, she said polyamory is based on mutual respect and consideration. It doesn't work any other way. If you are going to carry on relationships with multiple people, be they sexual love or otherwise, you have to show respect, care, and consideration for them, regardless of the level of the relationship. So please go on The Root and check out that article. Um, it is titled, Why Nola Darling 2.0 is Not a Good Example of Polyamory. Um... The thing is, her article was kind of like, hmm, because it makes a presumption that because you partake in this activity that you're supposed to be loving, caring, and considerate. Now, don't get me wrong. Nola portrayed herself as being selfish. To me, she was being a dude. Like, real talk. Just roles were switched. Like, she was getting hers, and she was getting it well, honey. (laughs) Shout out to Nola, boo-boo. She was getting hers. And she was doing her thing. She was doing what a normal dude, well, not normal, because you know how y'all get. Some dudes, i.e. fuck boys, um, will sit up here and try to play chicks and be in multiple relationships. Wait, wait, wait. Relations. Does that make her a fuck girl? So just, you got to take it a, you gotta take it a step yeah, further, because you got to get fancy. I'm just it. saying. You, I mean, you, you took it to the next level. Like, why can't you just be out here having polyamory love? So does that make her a fuck girl? I just I just want to know. Well, in the context of the article, she wasn't really polyamorous in terms of love because she wasn't being considerate of her sexual partners, which to me is questionable because it makes the perception that because you're in a monogamous relationship, you're going to be considerate and kind of your partner, which is not necessarily the case. You right. could be a douchebag in a monogamous relationship. There's a couple of y'all out there. Hey, what's up? Um, so... <laughs> But I don't know. (laughs) It's not Coach P. (laughs) Right. But I think that when I was watching it, what I truly like about the show is that she's very free with her sexuality. She does what she wants, how she wants it, when she wants it. She set rules 
she don't care to break them, but the sex with partners that she is are willing to do so. I find it to be very fascinating that these men are like so in tune and into her. Not saying that's a problem, but it's to the point they individually want her to themselves. And they can't have her. And I think that's what makes her so desirable. I don't know if she really represents the whole terminology. I don't think that she really... I'm not sure. I've, there's been mixed reviews about it. Like, because what got to me was that in terms of her being polyamorous, she's supposed to have multiple partners, whether that's male and female. She only really went to Opal, a female, because she needed a male cleanse, which ties into why some women are lesbians, because, oh, I got my heart broken by, like, no, dead serious, because I was watching, I was like, well, look at this shit right here. <laughs> like, that's why some chicks are lesbians. It's like, oh, I've got my heart broken, like, three times. And I'm going to go be with a female, which to me is like, that's ass backwards because a female, you could go be with a female in a same sexual relationship and she could play you just as much as a dude would have played you, if not worse. So to me, it's like, is she really polyamorous in terms of, it's one thing if she had old Paul in the mix with all the other dudes, even when they got her frustrated. But the fact that she went to a woman because she needed male cleanse, I was like, I don't know what I don't know what this is. Like I, I don't really feel like she is true to that. So that's why I was kind of confused. That's the part that really got me confused. It's not about how she treated them because I don't think she was disrespectful. She was being honest. Mm -hmm. She was being forthcoming about what she. She was being mm -hmm. more honest than some of these dudes out here with my amount of shorties they be with. She was like, you know, there's somebody else. Matter of fact, let's bring it to Thanksgiving dinner, bro. <laughs> we can all beat each other. That that was good. <laughs> that and. And honestly, it, it's crazy because when you said um, the fact that she was like just being a dude, I was like, wait, you're right. I know guys who are like that. Like, that's crazy. But um, I, I've always thought that women have all the power. I, I genuinely believe that. I just think you just gotta, as a lady, if you just like hold your ground, you set your boundaries, set your rules, and you stay to it. You have all the powers, and the guys would just fall in line. And she was just a perfect example of it, because the dudes were just literally like toy soldiers. Like, I, I thought when they came over for dinner, <laughs> it was going to be over, but they all sat down. They were like, I'm, I'm going to battle this out and see what's going to happen. With the fishnet sleeves. Mars went in on Grey. I was like, you need to stop. He said, your white eyebrows look like you got a one. <laughs> <laughs> so disrespectful um but do you think she was being true to it being um, that she only you know dibble and dabble with the female when she was tired of the men to be honest tired of your species i don't think for me i don't believe polyamorous has to mean uh like considerate of the other partners like because like you said with monogamy I feel like that's just uh, an ideal version of it because you could be monogamous and be a great partner or be a douchebag or you could be polyamorous and just be completely forthright about everything you have going on and just be considerate of the other person or you could be polyamorous and let the other person know I'm dealing with other people but have no other light shed any other light into that so like but what about her only going to a woman because she was tired of men what what specifically about that like because it was like they all was getting on her nerves she was tired of testosterone and mm -hmm. they were like she needed a male cleanse and then she went to a woman i feel like if she's really true to 
that terminology, she would have been, Opal would have been one of the main ones, regardless of whether she was tied with them or not. Yeah. That's why I feel like if she was one of the main, like one of four, and she didn't run to her when she went to get away from men, I could view it a little differently as her being true to that. But the fact that she went, and I was kind of, ins- I was like, really? Like, you run into a woman because these three dudes got on your nerves? And it's like, to me, it was like, what? It just, like I said, it feed into the stereotype of some women being lesbians because they was heartbroken by a man. It's just like, that's why I feel like she wasn't being true to it because she was running to old Paul because she needs to get away. Like, she needed a male cleanse. And it yeah. was like, the cleanse lasts for like 2.5 seconds. I personally love the fact that she did that because it is the reality. Because you like the sex scene? I definitely... <laughs> I knew you I'm like not it. saying that I did not enjoy the cinematic... <laughs> the cinematic... <laughs> the cinematic art that Spike portrayed that in his... art that he his, portrayed. In his Netflix joint. But, um... I think it's just real life, and that's what I really liked about the show. Like, it really portrayed what happens in real life. Like, there are girls who, like you said, they're tired and fed up with dealing with men, and they choose to become lesbians. Um, But if that's the case, and that's the route he was going, he should have digged a little deeper with it. I do feel like some of the topics that was discussed throughout the the first season, um, it could have been, it would touch the surface. I hope in season two he plans on developing more, but it did touch the surface. I just felt like that experience with her and Opal changed how she was considered. Yeah. Yeah. Spike, bring us on. We could we could be like executive producers slash writers. Season two. Unapologetically different at gmail.com. <laughs> I know if you guys put on, it'd be a lot of more sex scenes with the female. I know that much. <laughs> cinematic art right (laughs) Um, so one episode that i really did like um was for my negroes and my bitches Uh episode five i like the hashtags he had yeah definitely felt like it was it resonated a lot with the whole millennial concept and i see where he was going with it and also the album covers in between scenes and the songs were like on point he played maxwell i was like yeah yeah, when that came when I was like, okay, it's lit. It's and Ryan McKnight. Like, and Frank Sinatra. All right, bring it back, bring it back. All right, so. Bring it back now, y'all. <laughs> One hop this time. Uh, One hop this time. Bring it back. So, as you can feel the energy with Pierre and I, we're super excited. What I did like about this episode is the binary that Jamie's, this is where we got to, we kind of dig deeper with Jamie's character, which I thought was like, did you notice out of all three, I feel like we got a more understanding or depth of his character than all three of the two other guys? Definitely. I was rooting for him too because he was the dark-skinned brother. Or because he was from Brooklyn in the projects? I thought that was the route you were going with, but I guess not. Oh no, because he was dark-skinned. Okay, that works out too. I was Team Jamie. With a mini fro. Yes. Um, But before you get fancy... (laughs) So, the context of his son, who, um, so for those of you who know, he, Jamie, this is where I feel like the show fed into colorism concept, because Jamie married, he's dark-skinned, he was born and raised in Brooklyn in a project, he had to fight his way out, he went to, um, a really good school, married a light-skinned AKA with the good hair, um, and she was, like, wife material, However, he cheated on her. I think her. the correct term is wifey. Wifey material. material. Um, he cheated on her with Nola, who is clearly dark skinned. So she comes off as a homewrecker. And this is a constant stereotype that's perpetuated among when dark woman characters, i.e., Olivia Pope and being Mary Jane with Gabrielle Union. Um, that's the part I did not really like so much because 
it's like she was worthy of a ring, his wife, but then Nola was only worthy of being his side piece. That is not the case. But that's just what I'm going with. All right, let me bring it back a little bit before we get a little deep. Now, his son, of course, Jamie's dark skin, his wife is light skin. Um, he, the son is light skin as the mother. So he goes to a prep school. He's considered a minority there. And his friends don't really view him as black or they do. And then he creates a whole video around the N word, like this little boy that went viral apparently. But what I thought was interesting is that his son not understanding the connotation of the N word and then kind of getting a better understanding of it. But then him practically telling his dad, I would rather go to public school because he'll feel more accepted than him being in a private school and what that's like being a minority. And I thought that that point was very pivotal because that's the issue that happens with being born and raised in these circumstances. Now, Jamie came from the hood, you know what I'm saying? And then he puts his son in a prep school so he can get a better education and have better opportunities. But as a disadvantage, he feels like a minority. He's he doesn't feel like himself because he's not among a lot of black people or people of color. And I didn't experience that until, well, high school for me was pretty diverse. We were segregated, but we were diverse. I experienced it more when I was in college because I was being the only black person in the class. After a while, it gets very, it gets, it gets a bit depressing and overwhelmed. And the fact that he has to handle that burden at such a like young age um, and I thought that scene and that part was very pivotal as to why Jamie said, you know, these are why I put you in a school because I want you to have better opportunities, but not thinking of the disadvantage that comes along with that. How did you feel about that? Um, I thought it was very interesting because, one, the fact that he's so young, so the way racism and things like that occur to him is completely different True. for someone who may have lived through... Um, race riots and segregations and things like things like that so i thought that was just really interesting seeing it from a younger person's perspective he was like yeah me and my friends we call each other the n-word and it's it's all good like they mean it in a in a in a cool way like yeah. we're part of the crew and just like even though we live in the age of information like he may not these things may not really mm-hmm. just they just may not be present to him or he sees it in a completely different light. So I just thought that was really interesting just looking at the world from such a young person's perspective. Also, he looked very biracial. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought that was really cool. It's like you always say you always want to see how the next generation is going to be affected by what actions and things that you're doing. So kind of just looking at it from his lens, I really enjoyed that. Um, and also, episode three which was hashtag LBD. A little black dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a pretty powerful episode as well, where she... It wasn't worth $500, but continue. Oh, the dress? Yeah. It def- Bruh, it, it wasn't was worth not. the price, but continue. I could have gotten that same dress at Forever 21. For Bruh, <laughs> continue. But um, it, it was definitely interesting watching that episode, especially as a male, um, watching how the moment she put on the dress everyone's relationship to her really just changed pretty... Well, not everyone, just those guys, those three guys. I feel like it was everyone. Like, even at the... When she was at the club, and they were... Oh, yeah, the well, party, other like, guys, too. Well, not I just, think, yeah, yeah, for men. I see where you're going, yeah. Like, is that is 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 that the same thing for women when they see another woman wearing something that might no, be... No, I mean, I don't... 
it's not that kind of situation. I mean, you may get looked at, you may get a compliment, you look nice, but um, the the way the guys were going about it was that she was deserving of any attention she received, especially from men, and also in relations to her when she was attacked by that guy when he grabbed her and, and called her a black bitch, and that kind of was the, the root of her creating the artwork, which I thought was very powerful of different women pictures saying that yeah. that's my name is not honey, sweetie, or black bitch. And I thought that was very like pivotal because it was like in your face art. Um, and it derived from the situation she's been in. But I do think it, like what you said, the reactions in the relationships primarily around her, um, and how the men, like the way they all hinted at it was like, you were deserving of, xyz attention and it was just like i'm in a nice little black dress looking sexy that doesn't mean a man has a right to violate me he has a right to take advantage of me he has a right to come at me sideways because i'm in this dress i have a right to wear what i want it's my body and my choice um so i think that was very important to kind of see the scenes and that kind of also derived to why she needed her male cleanse um but my thing is like why wearing a dress or revealing outfit leads men to acting out of pocket I'm gonna. I gotta be very like careful how I say this because if she's if someone's wearing very revealing clothing, that kind of just leaves little to the imagination. I think it's not men. I think it's just people in general are gonna give you attention. It's not like like if a guy is going to walk up to women and approach them to get to know them because they're interested sexually. That's going to happen either way. But now if you're just wearing really revealing clothing, I feel like the guys, they're going to be more intrigued and more interested in doing that. And I think, and that's why I actually about when it comes to women, because I've seen when a woman is wearing like revealing clothing and other women will start giving her like sideways look like she's going out with that, like this isn't the appropriate place to be wearing something like that so i feel like it's not really a guy's acting out of pocket thing i think people will look at it in general and just and speak and kind of come out about it and just it draws a lot of attention well i think women we may give a look or a stare or whatever not saying it's right but the actions of a woman looking at another woman is slightly minimal than guys because with men it's like okay you get the staring then it becomes that they try to talk to you. And it's like, if you, and you know how it goes, if you do try to talk to you, especially in New York, and you don't talk back, and especially in a very pleasant manner, it's your mama this, and you a black bitch, and you did. And it's like, just because I don't want to entertain your shenanigans, or I don't want to entertain you, doesn't mean I'm XYZ, or you need to smile. A woman ain't gonna come to another woman with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She ain't gonna be like, yo, fuck your mother, because you ain't wanna try to talk to me. Like, we don't do that. So I think in the context, all right, staring may not be appropriate. A woman may give a side eye, but there's a limitation to it. I feel like with men, especially through watching the scene, it's like what she wore, especially when she was in a club with Mars and that dude was pushing up on her. He was like, well, you know, look what you have on. That doesn't mean anything. I should be able to walk out my house however the hell I want and please and get respect. It is not your place for you to tell me how to dress policing my body as we mentioned before and it is not your place to come out of pocket and make me feel extremely uncomfortable and doing certain things and I think that's really important I get where you're going 
Um, but I do think men take on another level in terms of aggression. And it's to the point that it leads to assault and stuff like that. Because it's like, at what point do you stop? Dudes right. will look at you. Even chicks being catcalled in the city, you see that. Hey, mommy, what's up? What's going on? All of this, like, to the point that some chicks don't even want to walk past a group of dudes. Because you know that one of them are going to try something or try to talk to you. And you hope it stops at a conversation. Some of them want to grab you. And I hate that. Don't touch me. Do not touch me. I don't know where your hand's been at, okay? So, and it leads into all of that, and then it becomes assault. So, I get where you're going, but it is definitely different when a male point of view in terms of their aggression and how how far they're willing to go to get a woman's attention. Like, if you try to talk to a woman and she doesn't want to entertain you, you need to leave it alone. Following her down the block, chasing after her, doing some wild, like, crazy shit ain't going to make her want to talk to you even more. And that shows your characteristics right there. No, I com- off the rip. I completely agree with that. I don't think that it warrants any aggression or um, physical contact that may be unwanted. I definitely hundred percent agree with that. But I just think in general, just we're animals. If <laughs> I'm glad I said, you know y'all are. No, no, I'm saying people just in general. Like the way I look at it, this this might sound esoteric, but like I'm thinking about like with peacocks in nature when they like open up their tail feather it's like that's their mating call and like if a, so her black dress is the mating call yeah yeah, yeah keep it up keep, just, keep it up honey listen, you're doing real good over there mm-hmm. and i again i'm not saying that it warrants any physical assault any aggression anything like that but you're going to get attention. That's just how people naturally are. No, it's not. And that's the problem that y'all think you're going to get. Y'all don't get the magnitude of attention and assault or harassment women get. You don't See. get catcalled on a daily basis. See, Do, but wait, I'm not done. No, no, no. Do you don't, get don't cla- no, 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 no. Yes, because wait, wait, now wait. we all flip the script. We, I was going to keep it simple and cute, but now we got to get fancy. I just want to make it when clear that I'm not talking about... When you walk down the block, a group about... of women trying to holler at you, have a group of women trying to chase you or walk up to you and grab you and be like, oh, you got your muscles out. Let me touch it. Let me touch something else. I'm just asking you. That's these, uncalled for that's inappropriate. That's uncalled for. But I'm just saying, for me as a guy, if I see a woman who's attractive, or just even a, anyone in general, if I see someone who has something that's very revealing, on, I'm just going to be looking like, what's going on over there? They're just human But it's nature. one thing to look and, and look away. But, but it's another thing when you look, you act, you touch, you in their face, and you doing extra shit, which you some see, of your species do. But I'm just making it clear. I'm not saying that it warrants the touching, the grabbing, being aggressive, chasing, following down the block, like... I'm just saying in general, that's just going to garner more attention. That's what I'm specifically saying. All that extra stuff, I'm not saying that it's warranted and you should be doing that. But I'm just saying just the extra attention, that's going to be natural. Versus if you're walking down the block with a big hoodie on, baggy jeans, and you're just kind of invisible. People aren't even paying attention to you. I get that aspect of it. So I'm just making think, that crystal Well, clear. I'm just making it clear for the audience. I get it. Okay. I just want to make sure you straight with everything else because... I, I feel like it could be very misleading, and I understand what you're saying, and I'm glad you kind of rectify it, because you don't want any man out there getting ideas, thinking Pierre said it's okay. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's a peacock dress. Go continue. Do what you need to do. No, but I'm just being realistic. Like, some women do go through these things, and unfortunately, especially in today's day and age and era, 
you know, we kind of need to be cognizant and mindful of these things because it leads to that one situation or he grabbed me that way, then it escalates to other situations. And then it turns out for some women, forms of rape. And I understand what you're saying, but as a woman, I feel like I should be able to wear whatever I want. I don't care if a woman or a man is looking at me, not saying that you should be staring at me anyway. I don't even like to be stared at because that's a whole other problem. But it's one thing to glance and look, but it's another thing to act. And the problem is we live in a culture where some men are very aggressive and they act on it and they don't know when to stop. And we don't really hold them accountable. We are And now. I'm glad you rectified it so that they know. We definitely are now. Is a shift in the culture. It needs to be. Definitely. I agree. And speaking of shift in the culture, what I did like about the show, too, was when she had them over for Thanksgiving and the painting. Oh, God. <laughs> Wonderful painting, by the way. Oh, God. And it's funny how they all felt objectified and, like, over-sexualized, for that matter, but it's like... It's like we were expected to understand their pain in that moment or whatever the hell it was. But it's like at the same time, they didn't understand why she was not deserving of unwanted um, touching or um, actions towards her because of her dress. It's like, we're supposed to understand that you're objectified because you're naked in a painting, which I get it. However, you couldn't really sympathize or understand why she felt like she wasn't deserving of the treatments and reactions she was getting from male counterparts because of the dress that she was wearing. So I just thought that how that whole concept was kind of switched in that moment. I thought it was a very good painting, actually. You like it? It was good. You want to buy it? I don't know about all of that. Okay. <laughs> um, also, at the Thanksgiving dinner, one part that I thought was pretty interesting was... Well, not interesting. It, it just resonated with me personally um, when Greer was talking about, yeah, this is my cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> With the fishnets. <laughs> I can't. His outfit had me dying. He definitely. <laughs> he was like Prince reincarnated. Like, came, where you he going? He came with the sheer back. <laughs> with the hat. Yeah, exactly. Continue. It's high fashion right there. <laughs> Thought rompers was. <laughs> they should have definitely had him in a romper one episode. That might be season two. I hope Spike is out there listening. Mess. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when he talked about how he's he's vegan and this is his cheat day, so he was going to enjoy the meal, and how Mars basically started just cracking on him because of his vegan lifestyle and diet, and he was just like, I'm working on my body and my temple, and it's something you wouldn't understand. Like He just had that like super air of like... Just, I'm better than you because I'm vegan. I just thought that was pretty funny. I really like that. So speaking of veganism, what are you today? Vegan, vegetarian, what's going on with you? So I actually recently just became a vegetarian. Like what, two hours ago? Uh, So as of this air date, (laughs) it's about like two weeks right now. So I'm like super fresh, super like new into it. And so you one of those five minute vegans? No, not at all. This is definitely a lifestyle change. Like this is a going forward for the very foreseeable future. And for January first, two thousand eighteen, two mm-hmm. weeks from now, future. And I definitely, I, I love that you say that. I definitely do not believe in New Year's resolutions anymore. Like I think that's just like one of the biggest like farces out there. Mm-hmm. Especially someone who likes myself, like myself, who likes to go to the gym. It's just annoying how the first month the gym is just packed. 
like everywhere. Everyone, their mom is in the gym. But you're right though, because you be in the gym heavy. Follow Pierre on Snapchat. Pizzle seven one eight. P i z z l e seven one eight. Hit that follow button. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's like in terms of the New Year stuff, I I, def- I definitely don't follow that because I think if you're really trying to do something and make a change, mm-hmm. if you're waiting for a new year to start for you to actually start it, it's like once that new year comes around again in your mind, it's going to be another opportunity to just fall off and just yeah. jump right back on it. So this vegetarian lifestyle, this is definitely something that I've just been, I've committed myself to. So can you explain, now I love meat, and I really do love meat, um, for all obvious reasons, but, uh, relax, um, can you explain, like, the difference between being vegan and vegetarian, because I feel like, at first I thought it was kind of two of the same, but apparently it's not. Yeah, and I actually recently just, um, found out what the difference is. When it comes to vegetarian, it's you don't eat meat, so you don't eat animals, you don't eat junior bacon cheeseburgers. Damn. No ackee and saltfish. No four chicken wings fried hot. Ackee and saltfish <laughs> is not meat, though. Well, fish counts as well. So oh, I it d- does? I, just, I threw the fish in there, yeah, so Damn, no, no chicken. Shit on my Jamaicans. Yeah. What's some Haitian dishes? Because you left that out. <laughs> no no griot, the fried pork, so all of that under the vegetarian umbrella. None of that is, um, that's not a part of the, like the diet. And then when it comes to veganism, the difference is it's just a little bit more restrictive in the sense that you not only can you not eat meat, but you also do not eat any animal products. So that means no eggs and no like milk or cheese. Because so those no bacon, are, egg, and cheese? No. Mm. Damn. Yeah. Shout out to the delis. So that's why you see like vegans, they'll be drinking soy milk or almond milk because it's milk coming from plant-based products. So that's that's the difference between veganism and vegetarian. And I personally, I love me some eggs. But I'm not going to lie. When I was watching the show, um, Opal's daughter said, uh, I'm I'm vegan and I, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. And she was like, my mom likes to eat like <laughs> the unborn child of caged chickens. Like, I'm like, you mean an egg? And I was just like, damn, you're just making me feel terrible. Like <laughs> She was doing the most. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I chose to give up meat because from just what I've studied and learned about just human beings, we aren't necessarily designed to eat meat. We've actually, like, adapted to it and through evolution, like, we've been able to eat meat and our bodies have adjusted to it, but we've actually were designed to like live off of a plant-based diet where more fruits, more veggies, nuts, seeds. So I'm doing this as like pretty much an experiment on my body. Like I want to just be like the vibrant, most energetic, Mm -hmm. healthiest version of myself. So I really want to take it on, see what it's like, because I've lived my whole life just eating meat and I I loved it. But I want to see what it'll be like if I make this shift because... I'm all about just trying new things and just seeing what the results. And if the results are there, I'm going to stick with it. Well, you go to the gym a lot um, and you focus on your gains. So how are you going to get your proteins without meat? I love that you asked that because that I feel like that's the main question most people say when it comes to um, going vegetarian or vegan. 
And and the thing is, too, while you answer that, mm-hmm. I've heard that vegetarians, they actually eat more because they're not intake, a large intake of protein like meat. So they actually eat more than if they were to eat. Is that even true, too? Um, so, but in terms of the protein aspect mm-hmm. of it, we don't need to get protein from meat. Like, if you just look at just other mammals like gorillas, elephants, giraffes, these animals are huge and are muscular. Like, they eat strictly a plant-based diet and they get all the protein that they need. So, we can get our proteins from a bunch of plant-based foods like quinoa, soy, rice and beans. Quinoa sound expensive. <laughs> <laughs> sound like no cheap shit so continue yeah great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it definitely does sound mad fancy some quinoa and caviar <laughs> bougie ass bad and bougie um you go to get it from grains oats nuts seeds lentils spinach and the list literally just goes on um and, like, the beauty of it, we live in, like, the information age, like I was saying before. So all you have to do is just Google it, and you can see so many different foods and what protein you can get from it. You just got to be conscious of what you're eating. And for the most part, if you're eating a very a variety of different foods, you're going to get your protein. Humans just, you don't see people going to the doctor like, I'm protein deficient. That just doesn't happen. And um, when you say in terms of, like, eating more food, do you mean just, like, a lot of like actual physical food or well a lot of physical food because that's what i've been told i'm not sure if it's like a myth or it's true because being that your um vegetarians are not getting their proteins from like if they were to eat meat you know how you eat like probably a plate of food with meat that'll hold you and yeah. then you probably eat like a couple hours later or whatever yeah um but like vegetarians being that you're not eating that consistency of meat you're probably eating more frequently actual food because of that. I don't know how true that is, if you could speak to that. Yeah, so for me personally, I do feel like I've been eating a bit more because, one, um, meat takes a lot of time to actually get processed in your body. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you'll have like a burger or something, and it takes longer for you to digest. So you'll get fuller, and it'll just be sitting on you for longer. But when you are eating more plant-based, like fruits, nuts, vegetables... That gets digested pretty quickly in your body, and so you you have that more space to just kind of graze on other things. So I like I'll eat snacks like almonds and cashews or apples. Almonds are good. I actually do like them, and they're very filling, but they are expensive. Yes, they're very filling because they're very fatty and they're good fats. I was you actually just got super excited. Yeah, with some I, re- I really did because. Um, <laughs> I, I love nutrition and yeah. health, and one thing that people say that I like is we should stop calling fats fat and either refer to them by their technical name, which is lipids, or by stored energy, because... Where I, it has more of a positive connotation. Exactly. Like, okay. Woo! High five. I love <laughs> it. You, you got it. I'll be hitting you with that. Um, mm-hmm. But because people don't really get overweight and gain a lot of fat from eating foods with fat most of the time it's processed refined sugars Mm -hmm. and high carbohydrate diets that really are making us put on a lot of extra weight and then these sugary drinks which is like why in new york city we have the sugary drink taxes Mm -hmm. those are the things that are really making us overweight so people have that connotation that fats are bad fats are actually really good we need fat and so and you said it so perfectly. Thank you. I do what I can when I could get Ooh, it done. Okay. Nice. I love it. Um, so since you've been eating all of these. 
creams, potatoes, tomatoes. Do you see a difference? Um, yeah, hundred percent. I feel like I never get the crashes anymore. Like if I had like a big like burger or something, like I don't go through those ups and downs. I don't get hit with the itis anymore in the past two weeks that I've been um, on my vegetarian diet. So you're not lethargic. Yeah, definitely don't feel lethargic throughout the day. Just pretty sustained energy. And then I feel like lighter. Like I actually feel like I don't feel like heaviness sitting on my stomach where like I just had a big meal and it's just like weighing me down. So that's definitely been one like a really interesting change right away. And I'm excited because I've been talking to people and kind of trying to pick different people's brains. And what I heard from a lot of people is when they've gone vegetarian, after a while, their energy levels like went to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. Because your body doesn't have to process and spend a lot of energy processing and digesting the meat. So I'm kind of excited about that. Okay. Like, I don't know if you're going to be ready, Coach P, with more energy than he already does have. You be it's right. <clears throat> Has there been any challenges with this new lifestyle? Um, For me, the biggest challenge has been when I haven't really prepared, like getting my meal prep done beforehand, because I love carbs. So, like, if I don't have, if I don't have my meal prep, like, ready to go, I'm used to just my old lifestyle, so... Because I don't have meat, I'm just going to default to, like, spaghetti. Meal prep, also known as leftovers? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. The fancy. That's mad funny. <laughs> like, leftovers. Yeah, pretty much. That's mad funny. We've been on it from, from back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Just really being conscious of going to the grocery store, getting, like you said, those nuts, those snacks that I enjoy, some fruit, having that around the place, and just really knowing what I'm going to eat because there's not always a lot of options for people who are trying to stay away from meat. So you want to just set yourself up powerfully so you're not, like, falling off. Um, and I've also gotten a lot of support from friends. Shout out to Miss Chainless if you're out there listening. And just people just... Letting me know what it's been like for them, what helped and what worked. And I personally, you know, I love to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. And they gave me some great places to check out, which I'm really excited to try a few of them. And just three off the top of my head, there's one called Superiority Burger in the East Village, Champs Diner in Williamsburg, and also Seasoned Vegan, which I'm personally really excited to try. And I'll definitely give you guys a review once I do try it, we should probably go together, Keith. Yeah, definitely go check it out. That would be super dope. Because it's actually a black-owned family business operated by a mother and son, uh, Brenda and Aaron Beaner. Oh, we in there, boo-boo. Facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's so ironic. Their last name is Beaner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on their website, they indicate that they specialize in preparing a very unique type of cuisine, gourmet vegan soul food. So that would be lit to actually go check that out and see what it's like. I feel like it'll be it'll be a good good little outing. Coach P dropping gems. All right, one more for you. What words of advice will you give to someone who wants to go vegetarian or vegan? Um, I start off by asking like, what is your reason for doing it, and really have a reason that you feel strong about because you want to just be able to be present to that because. It is going to be a real change for most people. So we've like I'm 28, so I've lived my entire life just like you said, Arkansas fish, griot, just burgers. We're American, like so. That's it's it's part of our diet. It's like our staple. Um, and secondly, 
really understand that it's a process. When you've been conditioned your whole life to be a certain way, um, it takes time to adjust. You're going to have ups and downs, but you really need to stay consistent, especially if you want to see results and get like that lasting change and really have it really sink in. Um, and again, like I was saying in regard to the meal prepping, you want to set yourself up for success by really planning your meals out ahead, having snacks on deck to help you make good choices. And one thing I like to use is social media as a reference to like, keep you on track. There are tons of like fitness Instagram pages um, around vegan lifestyle, just a lot of vegan cookbooks and just delicious vegan meals that you could see and just get recipes from online. So... Speaking of, are you going to take our audience on like a vegetarian journey through uh-huh. your Snapchat and stuff like that? Yeah, I could definitely... Let I, them get a little insight. We could, And I could definitely post some pictures on the on the Super Instagram dope. as well, too. Super dope. We should we should do the... the Excuse me, we? I'm not vegetarian. I'm oh, just... I like meat. Okay. Uh, I'm just... Let's just... Let's just um, one step at a time. Because you think it's some other shit. That's why. <laughs> and that's a wrap. um, Coach P dropping gems. Thank you for sharing that. Actually, definitely understanding the difference between being vegan and vegetarian. And health is wealth, people. So whether you want to go into the new year on some new year, new me crap that lasts for like the first month, or you actually really want to change your lifestyle, definitely look into ways of doing so. And throughout the season, Coach P will be dropping gems about what it's like being vegetarian and affordable ways of doing so. Because... I understand when you make these life changes, it is not cheap, especially when it's very easy for you to go to the McDonald's that's two blocks down from your crib. You get a whole meal for five dollars and a poster buying a salad for like ten. Or going to the bodega with the cat on the bread. Bruh. <laughs> you get the spam. <laughs> Facts. Um, I was making the spam. Stupid. <laughs> All right. Once again, thank you for tuning in to our show. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the support, and you guys can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the new at name, which is unapologetic d underscore, and you can also follow us on Facebook at unapologetically different. As always, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching Unapologetically Different. Oh, speaking of iTunes, the Unapologetically Different ringtone is actually out and available for purchase. Speak on it. We definitely got a lot of love and feedback about the opening theme song, so we definitely chopped it up a little bit and put it online. And it's actually my ringtone for when the phone rings down. It gets me pretty hype. It's motivation right there. Yeah, I love it. So if you guys want to support or enjoy this music, you can search for Unapologetically Different in the iTunes store to download the ringtone. Awesome. Well, stay tuned for next week's episode, guys. Bye.